This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek, and I am so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be talking with you again. It's been about three weeks or so since I released the last episode. I took a little bit of a break just to enjoy the rest of the summer with the family, and um, we had a lot of stuff happen that in that three weeks' time. I won't bore you with all the details, but it's been it's been adventurous. For those of you who follow me on social media, Uh, You've probably seen our bunny saga where we accidentally got a pregnant bunny and a pregnant bunny had babies. So we've been having some fun watching these little babies grow and now we're uh, looking for homes for them. So anyways, this time of year can be very emotionally charged, shall we say, for a number of reasons. The kids are maybe excited. Mine are super excited to get back to school. Some kids may not be. Parents may be more excited. Some some parents may not be because of, you know, different phases. If you're going off to kindergarten or going off to college, it's emotional. So there's a lot happening right now in these next couple of weeks, depending on where you're at in the country. Um, so I wanted to focus today around a topic that I get asked about a lot and that is school lunches. So for those, I know with COVID, a lot of people shifted to homeschooling, so this may not be as relevant, but it is still relevant because we're talking about food patterns in kids and what we can kind of do to help support them with habits that will be beneficial for the rest of their lives. So let's talk, I'm gonna focus specifically with the intention of brick and mortar school lunches. So not online school, but brick and mortar school lunches, but also how the kids can can start establishing a healthy routine with what they're selecting. So the thing I want to say, and this might be a little shocking, but depending on the age of your child, let your kids choose what they want for lunch. Now, some of you might be saying, I can't do that. If I let them choose, then they'll pick Doritos and cookies for lunch. Okay. Well, that shows you, or it should show you, where they are at when it comes to how they think about food and possibly how you think about food. We don't want to fault the kids for wanting junky foods. I'm going to go off on a kind of a soapbox tangent thing. They taste good. They're designed to taste good. There are people whose only job in this world is to create craveability in foods. And they are good at their jobs. It's not the fault of the person for craving or wanting sugary or junky foods. Marketing and science has made this a huge challenge for all of us, especially kids. Kids' brains aren't evolved enough yet to sometimes see past the pleasure part of food. But when they get older, they start to to connect the dots on why foods are considered healthier than others and what eating junk food can do to their body, but usually that's when they're older. Plus, you add in the family or social habits to that mix and it's a whole other layer. So for example, we usually don't have Doritos in our house. I probably shouldn't call that out by brand name, but whatever. We we usually don't have Doritos in our house. My oldest daughter 
had some at, you know, school or a party or a restaurant. I don't remember. But she loves them. When we're out and about or we grab like a sandwich or something somewhere, she'll ask for them. That's that craveability part. The food scientists did their job. Now, my younger three kids see the older sister making a big fuss about wanting them. So now what happens? They're interested in it too. That's that social aspect. So yes, I allow them all to try them. Some like those chips, some don't. They select them occasionally when we are grabbing a sandwich somewhere or whatever, but we usually don't have them in the house. There's a balance there because of course they would want to eat them daily if those chips were around, which would create a habit, both physical and emotional. Do I deprive them of the chips? No. When they ask for them at certain times, then they can have them. But as a parent, my goal is to show them that there is a balance. We also talk frequently in our house about what foods do in the body. So they start to understand that food serves a purpose. Some foods do a lot for the body in terms of nutrients it provides and other foods don't. Some foods make us feel great and other foods make us feel tired or sad or sick. If possible, the focus shouldn't be on quote unquote good or quote unquote bad when labeling foods. A food is only bad when you steal it or it's rotten or you're allergic. That's the type of the conversations that we have in our house. You don't have to have a nutrition degree to talk to your kids about how foods benefit your body. Even simply just saying veggies help your tummy feel better or beans help you grow stronger or water helps prevent you from getting a headache. You know, some of those simple things can be really beneficial for kids who are just learning some of that. So why does any of this matter? Starting to have the conversations around beneficial foods and non-beneficial foods needs to happen a lot earlier than it has been in the past. Think of your kids' long-term food habits as a garden. Right now, we're planting the seeds. Or if your kids are really little, you may still be, you know, tilling the dirt in preparation for planting the seeds. But that might look like you demonstrating healthy habits to your toddler so that they start to see what normal eating is. Those foundational habits matter and they are now. Those are starting right now. We are in the foundational habit time. Even if your kids are a little bit older, maybe they're teenagers, maybe they're preteens or whatever, you can still start those foundational habits now. Even if your kids are in their 40s, they can still (laughs) redo that foundation. Let's break up that foundation and, and lay it clean again. Now, this doesn't mean your child can't have a single speck of sugar ever or fried foods must never touch their palate. Remember, the goal should be that magical word, balance. The goal is not to teach them restriction. The goal is not to teach them shame around food. The goal is to teach them the cause and effect of foods, both supportive and non-supportive, without the guilting, shaming, and depriving them or deprivation that they may see. Now, if you're thinking, oh, well, is that all? Well, then great, thanks, no pressure. Let's reflect on that for a minute. Feeding your kids should, in my mind, be enjoyable. Feeding yourself should, in my mind, be enjoyable. When our confidence in something is low, 
It feels heavy. It feels hard. It feels confusing. It feels frustrating. When we feel confident in something, it feels easy. It feels fun. It feels light. It feels exciting. This is what I want for you and your kids. I've had a few clients tell me about their mealtime battles and stresses, and quite honestly, that sounds, well, awful. Let's bring the fun and light back into food. Which, to be flat out honest, it may start with you. I'm not saying that in a judgmental tone. Please don't take that as, I, as, as that way. But which scenario right now do you feel when it comes to feeding your kids? Are you the easy breezy, light and airy, rainbows and butterflies version? Or are you the dread, despair, fighting, stressed out version? And sidebar, it's okay if you're a fun mix of both. <laughs> it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies every meal, every day. Because kids are, well, kids, and they're sporadic, and they're finicky sometimes. They love one food one day, then they hate it another. But look at the underlying foundations and overall beliefs around mealtime. And if you're cringing right now, that's okay. If your kids are in a pattern that's not optimal right now, that's okay. If your kids are grown-ups right now and they're not in an optimal pattern, that's okay. Everything is changeable. You can absolutely set your kids on a different path. I've seen this done many, many times, and I know you can do it too. And keep in mind, phases. Your kids go through phases. They go through growth phases. They go through developmental phases. They go through learning phases. They go through attitude phases like we're in right now. Uh, they go through phases. And food and nutrition is also phasable, if that's a word they can go through phases with their nutrition as well. This could look like the stereotypical teenager eating nothing but, you know, Red Bulls and Doritos. Again, with the Doritos, I don't mean to pick on them. But you know what I mean. Like you get, they go through phases. That's why the foundational piece is so important. Because yes, they'll go through a phase similar to when you go on vacation and you don't eat your normal way. They'll go through a phase. Sometimes it can last a little longer than you'd like, but they'll always revert back to what they consider normal. They always go back to those foundational habits. If it's normal to not have chips in the house, to not have soda in the house, to not have soda every day, to not uh, you know, eat dessert, or if it's normal to have a veggie with lunch and dinner or have a smoothie in the morning, whatever your foundational normal habits are, they will resort, resort back to them because that to them is comfort. That to them is normal. That to them is like coming home from vacation and now you're getting back into the groove of things again. So all of that to say, with school coming back into session, new routines are needing to be formed. So now is the perfect time to establish some new habits. I say this every year. Now is the perfect time to establish new habits because you're getting into a new routine again anyways. I've focused on lunch for those who pack or are faced with school lunch choices, but really this can apply to any meal or snack. Have the conversations with your kids about their lunch options. In our house, not that you need to do this, but this is just a, you know, a visual. I have a whiteboard up in the kitchen where I write out 
what we're having for dinner for the week, and what the school lunch choices are. This is an awesome whiteboard. It's a calendar one, like a weekly calendar one that I got off of Amazon, um, but I love it. So now the kids know exactly what their choices are. They know what we'll be having for dinner. There have been times where what I have for dinner on the calendar is similar to what is being served at lunch at school. So they know, okay, well, we're having grilled sandwiches tonight for dinner, so I'm not gonna have the grilled cheese sandwich at lunch. So again, options. Now, I've had some people be shocked and in awe that I let my kids, quote unquote, let my kids eat school lunch. To which I say, calm down. One, it teaches them about food selection, choices, and that magical word, balance. And two, some days it's way easier to not pack a lunch. Also three, it opens up that conversation around helping the foods that help but also exposes them to real world situations where they'll be faced with different food choices. They are learning right now which foods make them feel good and which don't. So anyways, we look at the whiteboard and based on what's at school, the decision if they want school lunch or lunch from home is then made. So if they decide on a lunch from home, they know now to pack at least one veggie, one fruit, and a protein of some sort. Usually it looks like a turkey and cheese sandwich or peanut butter and jelly, always with a veggie, always with a fruit on the side, um, or maybe homemade Lunchables with like crackers and meat and cheese and, and also veggies and a fruit, or leftovers from the night before. But they know through teaching them that lunchtime is the time to get a veggie. I can't tell you how many adults I work with now that this is, this is the first goal is to get a veggie at lunch. So even when they select school lunch, my kids know to make a veggie choice. Now, if you're thinking, yeah, my kid won't do that. <laughs> this did not happen overnight. I'm sure they probably miss a veggie here and there at school. But through repetition, constant discussion, and supportive encouragement, this is where we're at now. Notice I didn't say anything about shaming, belittling, or forcing them. It takes time, but habits always take time to develop. So this is the focus that I hope, I hope that's clear. I hope that it's not, you know, it, this is definitely not meant to be shameful for any parent. I get it. We are all in different situations. We are all exposed to different things, have to deal with different scenarios. I totally get it, but I want to hopefully help open up your eyes and, and, and look at the opportunities and, and the things that are possible and apply it to your situation. So your action task for this week, if school is starting for your kiddo soon, start having that conversation around lunch options. Notice how you talk about certain foods. Do you put restrictions on them? Do you talk about how food could be supportive? Sometimes saying simply something like your lunch comes with a veggie, which are you gonna pick, can help. Not, you have to have a veggie. It, it's part of it, it comes with it. Which one are you gonna have? And you can tie it to a goal of theirs or maybe a symptom that they're having. I know I've talked about this before, but um, kids kids are very much into cause and effect. What, what helps this? What can I do for that? They're learning right now, they're learning all this. So. Something like dairy seems to make your tummy hurt or chips seem to give you a headache. What about having them uh, another day? Notice you're not restricting them. You're just postponing it. Having it another day and getting something else instead. Or 
Um, something like, you seem to have a lot more energy and feel better when you have carrots or cucumbers at lunch. Do you notice that? You know, again, tying the cause and effect to what they select. Help them make some of those connections. And if you need a little help, I've linked a lunchbox generator handout in the show notes that walks you and your kids through what to include in lunches to help get them started. Uh, so this is something you can print out and it's, it's I believe a one pager if you print it front to back, um, but it gives some examples, it gives some options, it talks about what to include as far as like a protein and a veggie and a grain or something like that, depending. Of course, this is an example. If your kids have allergies, please don't <laughs> put in a dairy, you know, a cheese stick if they're allergic to dairy. Um, but it's meant to be a guide and as, as an example and to get that conversation going. And also, I mentioned your perspective or your beliefs around food being a huge part of their perspective and beliefs around food. And again, it's not meant to make you feel bad. It's meant to help bring awareness to areas that you have maybe been thinking about for yourself. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a while. You definitely don't have to do any of this alone. I have two ways actually that I can help. Reach out and schedule a free consultation so we can talk about where you're at right now with your own nutrition patterns and habits and beliefs and thoughts and see if working together one-on-one -on -one is a good fit. Also, I'll be starting a brand new program in October called E3. It stands for End Emotional Eating and it's the whole program is End Emotional Eating without guilt, shame, or restriction. This program walks you through the four-step process of shedding layers of emotional eating thoughts, beliefs, and patterns while laying that foundation for new supportive habits with nutrition and mindset that will carry you through a healthier self. If this sounds like something you're interested in, space will be limited this round so that I can be as hands-on and supportive with each person as possible. So the wait list is also linked below so uh, in the show notes. So hop on there and be the first person or be the first uh, amongst the first notified when enrollment starts in a few weeks. Uh, because once the spots are filled, I'm going to close down enrollment to ensure that these that those people enrolled get the most support. Uh, but I'll run the program again next year. So I hope this time of year brings you excitement. I know I always love the vibe around this time with new classes and new routines and new opportunities all around. So please reach out if you're not feeling as easy breezy as you'd like. I'm happy to help. So that's all for today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.